We're grateful today, Lord, for the privilege of being able to share your word. We thank you for the teaching of Sunday school today and Shanika and Sister Tanika and those who have who come out to partake and to hear and discuss. We thank you for those that are here for this part of the service. And we pray that our ears will be open to all that you have for us. We honor you, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you today that, Lord, we can make application to our lives from what we hear. So today we pray that you will be with us. We pray that, God, you will give a word. May the word, Lord, come forth, anoint the vessel. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today after church, 2.30, we're going to be going to see a person that we've been praying for briefly. Her name is Ann Asher. <coughs> and we're going to be there at 2.30. That's the plan for those who are able to go. Three Forest Court Lane. Three Forest Lane. Take Freitas Parkway. Go over the overpass, down past Scotty's Market, and you make it left on Lee, on, on Leah, or Lee, it's pronounced Lee or Leah, Leah, Lee or Leah Drive, and she's number three. But Ann Asher is a person <coughs> who we've been praying for, has cancer now. Sister Michelle, her friend, she goes to Miller Avenue. But we've had her on the list for quite some time, and so when the um, idea was mentioned, would you like some members to come by today just to see you? She was thrilled with the idea. So we are going to go after church today and um, spend some time with Ann Asher. All right. If you need directions, see Sister Michelle um, for more specific directions. All right. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 11, and I'll give you the passages as I go on. Samantha, good to see you again today here. Amen. The Taurus, I don't, your, your cousin Anthony called me. He said he would be here. I'm not sure what may have happened today. He was sick today, okay. Well, he, he, said he called me and uh, said he'd be here, but it's good to hear from a young man who has uh, been standing in touch. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And your Bible may say from evil. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father or your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, verse 3. You can also follow along on the board on the screen above. Luke chapter 17 Verse 3. And this is what it says. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. 
Go back to Matthew chapter 18. This is a quiz on where to find the books in the Bible. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 23. I'll be reading 23 through 35. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. In other words, felt sorry for him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers. The Lord, the blessing to the reading of his word. Watch what you do in order to be seen, prayer and forgiveness. The word forgive basically means to send away. Forgive means to send away or to let go. Now I know some of y'all have been holding some people for 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years. Let them go. <laughs> They're keeping you from sleeping. Now, some of y'all can Last night, let me just say this. It ain't got to do with forgiveness. I went to bed very early last night. I was tired because Friday was up for Saturday. But on Saturday, something I did, I, I, before eating, I said, you know, I didn't take my vitamins today. And, and, and so I... My throat's been bothering me a little bit, so for the last couple of days I normally take my zinc, and you know I normally do that every day, so it didn't get sore. So I got, think I got started getting sick on Wednesday, somewhere around there. But last night I said, "Well, I'm gonna take all my vitamins, rather than staying with the C, the echinacea, and the little, you know, the zinc." Just so I went to bed about 9:30. I was feeling good because I'm gonna get up early in the morning, fell asleep for a couple of hours, and then up almost all night long. Now get this, my wife did the same thing. She took her vitamins at night. Here we are both talking, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, laughing. Lord, help us go to sleep. About 3.35, 3.40, I guess I drifted off. 
it seemed like I just turned over and the alarm went off. Lord have mercy. Now, some of y'all can't sleep because you ain't, you ain't having forgiven some people. For me, I just took my vitamins. Y'all ain't got that excuse. So if you're not sleeping, evaluate your situation. Now, to forgive means to basically send away or to let go. Now, we're going to pick up today with point two, which is I'm going to call this forgiveness is not an option for the church. It is not optional. Some of these these passages, I preached some of the points over in Oakland when I saw when I was at Pastor Bonner. They dealt with some of the same passages that were here, but so there's some different things here. But but I'm going to use the topic or the the point, the goal. The second point is going to be forgiveness is not an option for the church. Matthew chapter six verse twelve says, "Forgive us our debts, as we have also as we have." have also forgiven our debtors. Now, when I mentioned last week that when we look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, this is not the Lord's Prayer, if you heard me say that. It is oftentimes referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but it is not the Lord's Prayer. Why do I say that? Because the Lord's Prayer is when he prays. I mentioned John 17. This is what's called the Disciples' Prayer, This is what's called a model of prayer. Now, how do we say, now when people say, I'm going to teach my children the Lord's Prayer, it is good to teach them this prayer, but it is not a little kid's prayer. If you remember, he taught the disciples this prayer when he was up on the mountain and he told the people, this then is how you are to pray. Now, when we get to this point here in verse 12, you will note very carefully as I point out, why it's not the Lord's Prayer. Because he says, forgive us our debt. The word debt means sin. Jesus had no sin. So why would Jesus say, pray, forgive us our sins, if it's the Lord's Prayer? He had nothing to repent of. He was perfect. He kept the law perfectly. He fulfilled his mission perfectly. He had to be the perfect sacrifice. So when he says, forgive us, this is the model that he's giving to the disciples. Forgive us our debt. When we take a look at this model of prayer, we tend to see that when we look at Jesus says, forgive us as we have also forgiven those that have sinned against us. When we think about forgive us our debt, It is the requirement of the believer to always be in a place of being ready to forgive. And we're going to address that in a moment. But forgive us our debts. There's nobody on this earth, in this world, who has not sinned except the Lord. When a person tells you, I can't think of anything that I've done wrong or sinned, tell them you're lying right now. That's all you got. You just lied to me. I can't think of it yet. You're lying right through. You need to repent. You just committed a sin. If you said if you said you hadn't sinned before, you just did it just now. <laughs> Forgive us our debt. As I told you before, some of us can remember things way back where somebody's done some things to us and we haven't let it go. But I want you I want you to note as we kind of get further into this. 
Forgiveness is not to be sloppy. It is not something that is just done haphazardly. So we'll jump into that in just a minute. But let's, let's go on. Forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven. In the text, as we also have, it is already implying that the act of forgiveness is already being done for a person who has sinned against you. In other words, you are in a state of preparation. You are already willing to forgive a person who comes to you and says, you know, I am sorry for what I've done. There are people today who is who's willing to forgive a person and they haven't even asked for forgiveness yet. You see, you let people off the hook if they've done something wrong. Oh, I forgive you. Wait a minute. They haven't said, I, I'm sorry. How do you even know the person is sorry? Sometimes we want to forgive a person and we remove them from their responsibility. It is a reciprocal, it is a reciprocal situation. In the book of Luke chapter 17, says, if your brother sins, if your brother sins and comes to you, then forgive, forgive him. In fact, let's just go ahead and just, let me just go ahead and just read it to you again. Luke chapter 17, verse 3. I'll find it for you. You can just stay right there in Matthew. But Luke 17, verse 3 says, So watch yourselves. If your brother sins against you, and that word if, if can basically be translated since he is going to do it, since you're per- the person that you know is going to sin against you, when this happened, the Bible says first, you need to rebuke him. Oh, I just forgive you no matter what you do. The Bible says rebuke him, and then if he repents, the Bible says forgive him. What does that mean to rebuke? It is a strong um, scorn. This is to say, it is a strong command to say, I come against what you've just done. That is not okay what you've just done. This matter of saying, oh, we just got to forgive everyone. Wait a minute. Why is it then that Christ only forgives those who ask him for forgiveness? That was my point much later on. I'm just going to throw it out there right now and just give it to you now. I may say it again down the road. But you need to understand this. When it comes to the matter of forgiveness, the person who has done the offending has a responsibility to say, you know, I am sorry for what I've done to you. I'm sorry for the way that I treated you. You know, it was not right. And then you on the other end and say, you know, thank you for that. I forgive you. But you see, if you say I forgive you and they have not said anything, then you leave nothing for them to do. You see, it is very hard for people sometimes to say, I'm sorry. I didn't like always having to apologize to my kids when I was wrong. I'm sorry. No, but sometimes, hey, you know what? I, I'm sorry. Got to sometimes apologize to your kids. I think, I, I think my daughter, somebody got a spanking one time, the other person did it. Y'all, y'all, have you always got spanked to somebody else, probably? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I, you know, parents got to apologize to their kids sometimes. <laughs> Forgiveness is reciprocal 
But remember this, it's for the believers. When the Lord says, lead us not, or forgive us our debt, as we have also forgiven our debtors. If you expect to be forgiven by God, you've got to forgive. There are some times when things, people have done some very painful things to us. And we have told ourselves, I will never forgive that person for what they've done. I will never. I imagine what would it be like if Christ says, I'll never go to that cross again. I'll never go to that cross to pay for that sin they committed. Never. There will be no way for us to be saved if Christ didn't pay the price. Forgive us our debt, Lord, as we are forgiving those who sin against us. And lead us not. Lead, lead, lead us not. I told the people there that one of the things that they have to be willing to do as a church standing on the word, they've got to be willing to follow the leaders, what I told them. And I'm telling you the same. You've got to be willing to follow the leader. I told them the game. There's a game that said follow the leader. You know that game where you, you know, whatever that person said, you had to do whatever they said. You know, whatever they did. They tell you to do something. What was the name of that game? Follow. Simon says, Simon says, Simon says, Simon says, Simon says do this. Simon says do that. Simon didn't say it, don't do it. <laughs> that, that was a game. And so there, this game was an idea that you had to follow what that person was saying. And sometimes they come up with some all crazy, some crazy stuff. You say, I ain't doing that. There are sometimes things where you may not understand. Why? Because God has not given you the vision for the church. I don't know why he's doing it that way. I would have done it this way. Well, God didn't call you to be the leader. When God told Moses, I want you to go deliver those people out of Egypt. He didn't call all the other ones. He said, Moses, you go. Moses, no, no, Lord, send somebody else. Don't send me. He said, no, Moses, I'm calling you. Moses complained so much to where the Lord finally said, my brother, my brother, fine. I'm having Aaron go too, but I'm still sending you. You're still going. And lead those people out of Egypt. Moses finally buckled down and says, okay, God, I'll go. Then the Lord began to take too long to deliver him. God, the people complaining, you ain't delivered them, you sent me. I told you I didn't want to come in the first place. When are you going to deliver the people? Can I go back home now? Now you will see what I'm going to do, Moses. That's what the Lord said. You see, the Lord likes to wait till like it's impossible. He's saying ain't nothing, can't nothing be done. It's nothing that can be done to change my situation. And here comes the Lord and says, now you'll see what I'm going to do. You see, this matter of walking with the Lord is one by faith. You're trying to see everywhere you can go. I can't see. I ain't going. Some things, this is a matter of faith. It's not a matter of what you see. It's a matter of what the Lord says. Do I trust what God says? Lead us not. That means if you're being led, that means you're following. And if we're following the word of God, 
that means there's going to be some detours that you're going to have to go through. Lead us not into temptation. Now, the Lord does not lead into temptation. In other words, when we think of temptation, we think that which is evil. The word temptation means test. In other words, God, when I'm beginning to go through the test, what it is actually saying, Lord, lead me successfully through the test and the trials that I know I'm going to enter. Lead me through them successfully. And here we are trying to avoid everything that comes in our way. Is that too hard? No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go this way. This is the easy way. And there we go. Get a big old cardboard and go sliding down the hill. Don't want to walk back up. Can I get a ride back to the top? No, walk yourself on up that hill. Part of the fun going down. Work. You enjoy it. Once you get up to, oh, oh man, it was working up here. Then you can, you can slide down and enjoy it. You've got to go through some things. God leads us through the test. This Christian life is one of tests. You see, the world will sometimes throw tests on you. And they'll stand back and just watch and see how you do. Ain't going to lift a finger to help you. Yeah, get on out there and see how you do. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And then they go on somewhere else. The Lord says, as I go through the valley of the shadow of death. God is right there. <laughs> Even, I, I was telling I had the craziest dream the other night. I dreamt that there was all this water. And here I am on this narrow strip. And at the very top, I'm in the, and the, the road went straight down. And I'm thinking, how can I back up and get out of this? And I'm thinking, and it seemed when I turned around, there was no way to turn around. And so I just had to go forward. And so here I am thinking, if I, if I turn to the left, I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to fall into the water. And all, I said, well, I got to go. And so here I am. Yes, here I go, down. And by the time I started going down, I was at the bottom and things opened up. But I had to go down this steep hill. But it was so narrow, it was no other place. Everything else was just full of water. It was just nothing. There are things when we get, we get tried and we want to kind of veer off and go, here, how can I get out of this? You've got to go forward. You've got to keep going because the trial and the test, it will be successfully completed if you stay in the Lord. It doesn't mean it's going to be just like you want to see it, but you'll be successful if you stay in the Lord. Your definition, your definition of success may be quite different than God. Because God will say, did he obey me? Did she obey me? That's what I'm wanting to see. When they didn't even know how they were going to get out of it, did they go through successfully? Lead us not. Jesus always leads in the right path. He always leads us through the test. It is not your job to try to go around the test. It is to lead us through the test. And then, Lord, would you deliver us from the devil? Lead us, Lord, you deliver us from the evil one. Do you not know I'm not your enemy? You may not have known that. Some people don't know. I'm not your enemy. Your husband's not your enemy. Your wife's not your enemy. Your family member is not your enemy. The devil is your enemy. He is the great adversary. And you think here you are, that person, I'm going to get the... No, 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 no. We fight against principalities and powers in high places. And when we think about our enemy, it's not each other. It's 
the devil and his imps. And they've got a plan for your life. You see, I mentioned last time that some people are trying to follow at a distance. You, you see, when you follow at a, dis, as a, at a distance and you're not close enough, you know what you begin to get? You begin to get an echo. You're not getting the word, you're getting an echo. And, and, and when you keep allowing distance in between them, you, you, you'll find yourself hearing the echo two or three times. And then you're doing this. What did you say? Say, 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 say. I can't hear you. you, you, you. And you think, well, that sounds pretty cool. Hey, 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 hey. Don't even see nobody just hear an echo. Where are you? That's at a distance, at a distance. And some people right now are following at a distance. And they have lost sight. What's the problem? You didn't stay with the person leading. Christ says, lead us through. And here you are somewhere at a distance trying to get instructions from the word of God, from the leader, at a distance. Now, how do we create distance? Well, I'm going to be there in three months. I'll be back to the church in two months, three months. I'll be back one day. No, that's distance. Distance is being created. I'll, I'll read my Bible one day. I'll start praying someday. That's distance being created. Before you know it, your voice you'll be hearing will be your own, and you won't even be able to discern it. You'll think that God is speaking. You're hearing yourself because there's distortion when there's distance. And you're hearing an echo. But I want to let you know it may not be the Lord. Deliver us, Lord, from the evil one. Do you not know that Jesus went through a test? After he was baptized, he was led into the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of being tested. You're going to be tested. Some of y'all always want this mountaintop experience. After the mountaintop, there's the valley. In the valley is what you go through once you come off of the mountaintop. You can't step on the mountain always. Some of y'all trying to stay up your heart, never come, never want to come down. Woo, we had such a good time, it's going to be this way forever. And then something happened and boom, you fall. You don't just come come slide. No, no, you just fall on down. I just quit. I just give all up. Why? Because the experience that you are hoping to continue didn't last. The way that we grow is going through the trials, going from the mountain through the valley, going through the various things. Christ had to be tempted. And he was tempted at every point, just like one of us. But the Bible says, but without sin. The same temptations that come your way, Christ had to face, but didn't sin. Oh Lord, I don't know how I can get through this test. Woo! This test is hard. Not hard, hard. Tests were not meant to be easy for you just to go and breeze on through. Do you not know when you go through something difficult that you got more appreciation for it once you come out on the other side? Do you not know that? If something is too easy, if, if you cheated on something, you don't feel just as good. 
But when you put the time in and you've come through on the other side, you said, man, I feel pretty good. Because you've gone through. We've got to learn to go through the trials and the temptations of life, the trials and the tests. Deliver us. For he says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Let me say this before I go to the parable and bring this to a conclusion soon. Verses 14 through 16 of the disciples' prayer or the model prayer is the only verse that the Lord actually elaborates on in the passage. When you look at this model prayer, he focuses in verses 14 through 16, going back and expounding on verse 12, dealing with forgiveness. Now, why would he do that? Because he knew that forgiveness would be the number one problem, not only that they were dealing with, but that the world would always deal with in the church. It would be the one single thing that would be the most difficult thing to get through. And Jesus goes back and then elaborates on it. Now let me quickly take you through this part of this parable. In chapter 18 of Matthew, the entire parable actually is not dealing with just uh, the, the first verse as it deals with um, the kingdom of heaven is like. Actually, the parable is all about the kingdom. So it's, it really should incorporate in such a way the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is described in this way. It should actually be when you think about it. Now, now get this here. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. One of the ideas is that the man that is brought to him is actually a man who may have been in prison because the other servants are the ones who brings him to him and he's brought to the king. It is as if this man has been confined in prison and he's brought as the settlements began. He starts with those who are actually confined. And so this manager, this, this king, he wants to take a look at the accounts and the accounting of what these individuals have been given, or the loan, actually, that has been given to this individual. Now, in the ancient Near East, it says 10,000 talents. Now, the word, the, just the name 10,000, in fact, that was the highest number that they could go to. The highest number was 10,000. So when the king mentions this, he is describing a situation that is so vast, so enormous, that it boggles the mind that you can't get your mind around. And then he uses the word talent, which was the highest, the highest level of their currency at the time. So he combines the 10,000 with the highest number, and saying that the debt that this man owed 
was millions, and there was no way for him to be able to pay it back. Get this. Takes the highest amount, the highest number, 10,000 talents, and the highest amount, and says, "This is how in the world did this man rack up that type of debt? Now, one talent, one talent was estimated to be 15 years of wages for the laborer. One talent was the equivalent, it's believed, to be 15 years of wages. One talent. The man says, Since he was not able to pay the master, ordered that he and his wife and his children, this is the king says, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Everything that this man had. Now, the debt couldn't be paid. It couldn't be paid. So in other words, as payment, take everything that he has. You know, when, somebody, when you owe somebody something, they're going to liquidate everything. Whatever you have, they'll take it and they'll use that to try to settle whatever it might be. This is where this man is. Then it says, this servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. Would you have pity upon me? He begged. And I will pay back everything. Pardon me. This man didn't have the ability to pay back everything. But he says, if you, have, if you have mercy, I'll give you back everything. That's some of us. Lord, if you bless me, I won't do that no more. God, if you give me, I'll, I'll serve you the rest of my life. I won't sin no more. If God, you just give, give me this one thing, I won't ask you ever. No more. I won't ask you for nothing else in life. The next 80 years, Lord, I won't ask for anything. We make promises to God because there's something that we want. No way of being able to actually keep that. No, no, no. Sometimes we make promises to God because there are certain things that we want. And then, you know, there are times when we have no, no, we have no plans of being able to even keep that. But it is because we want something. Now, it says in verse number 27, let me say this. He fell to his knees. Be patient with me. Then the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt. And the Bible says, what did I say forgive me? And let him go. What happened? The servant asked for forgiveness when he had already been ordered to be sold into slavery to pay the debt and because he fell on his knees, would you forgive me? The master felt sorry, says, man, not only do I forgive you, I'm even releasing you from prison. You don't have to pay back the debt. You're free to go. And so this man gets his get-out-of-jail card, get-out-of-making-the-payment card. Now, let me say this before I go on. 
don't y'all go thinking y'all ain't got to pay y'all bills back. Now, 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 now don't, don't, don't get it wrong. No, no, no. Pay your bills. Take care of your responsibilities. It says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Listen to this. He owed him a hundred, what was it? Denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owed me, he demanded. Uh, His fellow servant fell to his knees. Now this is the idea that he got down on his knees, even prostrate before him, and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. The one who had just been forgiven, all the debt he couldn't, goes and finds. Now let's, let's look at the scenario quickly. The denarii was the smallest, the smallest amount of wage that a laborer was paid. It was the smallest amount. In other words, this man who owed the man that was just forgiven owed him a few dollars, if we were thinking of it in our terms. A few dollars. Took that man, grabbed him, began to choke him, and demanded that he pay him his money. The servants of the king who saw what happened were disturbed and went and told the king, the one you just forgave, ran into one of his fellow servants. And the idea is not that he wasn't looking for him, but the idea is that he happened to run into him, actually, is what it appears in the reading. And that, he says, man, you give my money. Give, give, give my money. If you, don't, if you don't have my money next time, it's going to be you, you and me. I got, I got something for you if you give my money. I, 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 got, I ain't got $3, man. Give, give my money. It's, gonna, it's five dollar inches, brother. Five dollars now. If you don't have my money, it's gonna be six dollars next day. The man was thrown in prison. The servants go tell the king. The king brings this man back and says, "You wicked, you, 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 you unforgiving servant." Here it is. I forgave you all the debt simply because you asked me to. Millions. And here it is, your fellow servant. Then the question, shouldn't you have shown compassion and forgiven this man when he asked you for the little bit he owed you when you had been forgiven all that debt? And the Bible talks about how the Lord will look at us in that same way. This is a picture when we talk about the Lord's forgiveness, how much God has forgiven us. I can't even get to the point of fasting today. Our time is already gone. This is how it, how it is when we think about God's wonderful forgiveness. A debt that you couldn't pay, that it would require you to pay the rest of your life trying to pay. And we have the nerve to say, I'm not going to forgive a person when they really mean it. And says, would you forgive me? I'm sorry. I, I need you to forgive me. I'm sorry. And then we all hold a person. 
I don't know. Think about it. Where would we be if God didn't forgive us? Where would you be right now if you didn't have God's loving forgiveness covering you right now? We've got a responsibility, people. This was radical teaching that Jesus was given here. It was something to where the people had to wrap their minds around what? And the Lord expounds on this right at the, on the Sermon on the Mount. And then he talks about it in the parable. Forgive, forgive. Because God forgives us a great debt. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. God is not even saying forgiveness is easy. But it is a requirement. It is something that the Christian cannot get away from. Can't get away from forgiveness. Who are you holding right now? Think about it. I'll give you 15 seconds. I don't, don't call on no names, please. Who are you holding right now? Now, it might require you to go to that person and say, you know what, you may not have known, but you had a, you've offended me. And I wanted to bring this to your attention. Because I've been holding this against you. As we conclude, don't let people off the hook too easy when they need to repent. Uh, you, 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 you know how I feel about you. You know, how them, you, know, you know what it's like. That's your way of forgiveness? No, just say, I'm sorry. No, no, you know. You, they, 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 they know. They know. No, I'm sorry. I still got to say I'm sorry today to my wife at times. Sometimes I get an attitude, I get upset. I ain't said I'm sorry. I know I'm right. At times when I'm trying to get all comfortable talking to myself. I, I'm, not comfort, I'm not apologizing. Ain't nobody around me talking to myself. I'm in the room. I ain't going to apologize. Would you forgive me? <laughs> Can't get no rest. And then once forgiven, I feel pretty good. I can go and do what I need to do. Anyone going to walk? When, when, when I'm fighting, just quiet. You know how we can get. But forgiveness releases you. It releases you. Let me say this in conclusion. The debt that we owe, we could never pay. Can't pay it. But Christ paid the debt for us. He died in our place. <laughs> and then he transmitted his forgiveness to our account, took our sins upon himself, transmitted ours to himself, paid and says, you're free to go. 
I let you go. Man, that is a package you can't give up. That's a deal you can't pass. And there are some people too stubborn to say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Bow your heads, please. Lord, forgiveness is not easy, but it's required. It's required for both parties. And we want to thank you for giving us the way that it is to be done. We're not to have this sloppy, agape love, a sloppy forgiveness. No, we are to hold each other to a standard. And we are to hold each one with the Lord responsibility of saying, Yes, I forgive you. And if I've done something to you that was wrong, the very thing that I've done, I'm sorry for. And so today we pray that as we leave this place, we will let people know that they're forgiven because they've asked for it. And we're standing willing to give forgiveness because we have been forgiven much. We pray for those that we are holding right now. Those that we have been holding with things over their head, for things done. And anytime something comes up, we throw it back up. No, we're saying, God, I'm letting it go because they've asked me to forgive them. Because, Lord, you don't throw my stuff back up in my face. You've forgiven me. And if, God, you've forgiven me, I will forgive others. So today we pray that we'll take this word and live it out in the glorious and precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.